0: You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's episode, I sit down with Wilson Tang of Nomwa Tea Parlor here in New York City. Uh, We featured Wilson in our March Generation Next issue of Bon Appetit, where we celebrate so many of the dynamic and amazing restaurants run by children of immigrants in America right now. Wilson took over his Uncle Wally's restaurant, No about a few years ago. Uh, it's been around since the 1920s. And the challenge for uh, Wilson was, how do you sort of maintain and retain the integrity of the spot and, and the charm and the bones and the soul of the restaurant, while introducing it to a very new generation of eaters out there? And then I talked to Bon Appetit food stylist, Sue Lee, who gives me the lowdown on her mom's Chinese dumplings. Who literally will not eat anyone else's? Our mom's chive pockets and scallion pancakes. All sorts of doughy goodness. All right, here's me and Wilson. Wilson Tang, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I was at Nom Wah, your restaurant in Chinatown, a few months ago, and I turned around and like, there you were, just like hanging out. I don't know if you were working or just sort of. Make making the scene, you know it's it's really funny because like that's actually become my job now,
1: you know just, just to, hanging out just to hang out <laughs> to come check in, make sure all the um make sure all the um, things are working um, everyone's happy um, and I you know from one restaurant to three downtown, like I'm, I'm kind of seeing myself just popping in and popping out yeah. at each at each place I
0: mean, that's an interesting job restaurant tour. Because everyone else at a restaurant has a very defined responsibility, whether that's head chef or manager or bartender or bar pack. They all know what their job is for that evening's shift. Um, but as the sort of the overlord, I mean, what, do you, what when you come in, what, do you, what are you looking for? What are you checking out? What, what do you think your responsibility is when you walk in, in Nomewa on any given evening?
1: You know, I, I'm basically just coming in to check and make sure all my guys are okay. If there's anything that um, needs to be addressed, um, how the service level is, how the flow in the kitchen is. And, you know, I've, I've never actually dreamed about doing that. I was always a front-of-house guy. You know, I would be like the floor manager or a service
0: customer. How how involved, like when you walk into one now, and how often do you go back into the kitchen to make sure that the kitchen staff is doing what they should be, that they're on point?
1: Actually more often than, than you would think. But I'm in there um at least I would take I would say two shifts in a week. And uh so you
0: actually you'll work the yeah, line. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I would work the line for two shifts out of the week.
0: Because you've had guys at no one you Chinatown working there for a a long time, I assume.
1: Yeah. I mean my head chef has been there since eighty two.
0: And you're this kid wandering in there with yeah. your baseball cap. Like I'm like, if I'm him, I'm like, hey kid, don't tell me what to do. I, I know what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 a really cool camaraderie part for all of us. Um, you know, it's almost like they're making fun of the kid, like oh, what's this kid coming in here, like trying to try trying to do work, yeah. you know. But um, on the other end, it's also just to keep myself um, connected with the people um, and making sure. Um, Everyone from the head chef down to the dishwasher—all um, their needs are taken care of. Um, Checking in and see how their family is and stuff like that. Well, let's
0: talk about that because, like, for to them, I'm sure you kind of are family because Nomwa has been in your family for so long that I imagine they must have been pretty psyched when you took over the restaurant that it wasn't going to get sold, that it was going to "quote unquote" stay in the family.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a lot of excitement for it because um, you know my 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 uncle really. You know, God bless him because he is in his mid eighties, and uh, he he kind of just ran the restaurant the way he wanted it for decades. Yeah, you know? so and we're ta- the,
0: we're talking about Uncle Wally. Uncle
1: Wally, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, when this is like six years ago, he finally, you know, came to me. He was like, hey, you know, I I really know you're you're interested in like hospitality and food service, and um. You know it'll be it'll be great for you to just help run this because I I no longer can do it. You know I'm getting re, like too old for this, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, and um, I, I never thought I would have had the opportunity actually until we actually talked about it.
0: Um, so what, yeah, so let's look. It's, it's fascinating. You walk into No one now, and it's one of the oldest restaurants in Chinatown, and there's this energy when you enter, and there's there's a very sort of diverse. Uh, customer based of younger and older and hip and this and that, and it just feels like such a lively place. But let's wind back the years to how you got there, because you grew up in New York, yeah. but your parents immigrated when? The 70s?
1: Yeah. They came to New York uh, from Hong Kong in 1974. When they first came, they actually started in Minnesota, mm. believe it or not. Yeah, because they had a friend there that was running a Chinese restaurant, and after that, they came to New York and started their own Chinese restaurant. This is my dad and Uncle Fred, and Uncle Wally had his restaurant in Chinatown. Very early on, we lived in Elmhurst. Okay, in Um Queens. Queens. and then in my teens, my dad's business was doing really well, and uh, we ended up uh, buying a place in Chinatown, like a, one of those old tenement buildings. By the time I was in like grade school, uh, my dad thought it would have been a good idea to move back to Queens because Chinatown was still a little rough uh, yeah. around the edges in the '80s. So we then we
0: moved to Ridgewood, and uh, and Queens it, for a lot of people who don't know it is it it. If Brooklyn is very borough feeling, Queens can get a bit more suburban with houses yeah, and driveways yeah. um, and
1: neighborhoods, white picket fences, yeah. all of that. So that's what my dad wanted, you know. He, that's he the saw, American dream. Yeah, right? he saw that as the American dream. There's a garage in the back. You know, we can drive our car. We even had, we even had like an automatic garage door oh, opener. I, you you know, know, you've made it when you get <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Now
0: I imagine when I was getting ready for time for you to go to college and, and start getting serious, I'm I'm betting your dad was like, well. I don't want you working in the restaurant industry. Like you're, you're an American kid. You need to get a real job. You need to become a lawyer or, or you know, Wall Street guy or something. Yeah. Ab- what what were their expectations for you?
1: You know, they, their expectation was very, very simple. They are like, "Listen, you know, we've worked this hard. Uh, my dad was working, you know, three jobs. My mom was always in banking. Uh, we've, we've worked so hard to put you through school. Um, you know, all we want you to do is finish." college get your degree and do something in the financial world you know that's where that's where the money is yeah and you know i i kind of just listened i'm like all right cool i'm like I, did, I didn't really have a passion for anything and i just kind of went with it yeah. and um that's exactly what i did i i got my degree and i started working in finance and and, and did you enjoy it ah uh, not very much <laughs> um it was definitely not um not to my liking. Um, I think just growing up in a um, entrepreneurial household, mm-hmm. um, I just all these things that I saw. You know, growing up, it's it's always weekends in Chinatown, and I would see my dad like hustle and do all these side jobs, and uh, see my uncle at the restaurant, and I, you know that was more of what I liked. It's funny though; you
0: see that a lot in sort of second generation kids and stuff that they. The the parents want them to have this very traditional life of college, and as I said become a lawyer or a finance yeah. guy. But if you once you see your parents like living that life, and there is that energy of being an entrepreneur and just making something happen and figuring it out and, and succeeding, I imagine that gets kind of addictive. Yeah, I I um I caught the bug very very early on.
1: I mean, even um, as a teenager, you know, any time um, there was no school or the summer, I was I was working. And um, like doing know, what,
0: like bussing tables just, and stuff. Just through or? the
1: years, it, it would be um, not even that because, like you know, it, it was growing up. It was don't go to don't go to Uncle Wally's restaurant. Oh. We don't we don't want you to like, okay. start liking <laughs> that. <laughs> but you know, working hard and having good work ethic was always um, part of me. So even you know, as a teenager in the summers, I, I remember um, stocking shelves uh, and my dad's like little. Supermarket,
0: little bodega, he had. All right, so you, so you're working a desk job at Morgan Stanley, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, right, Morgan so, Stanley. So you yeah. got a computer in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long did you last there? Two years, almost three years, almost All three right, years. And so at, at almost three years, what what clicked in your head? What what made you to t- decide to get out?
1: I after three years of being in an office, I really was bored. Um, you know, I was I was essentially shifting a pile of paper from one stack mm, yeah. to another stack. <laughs> And, you know, I was being told what to do, like, hey, uh, 9 a.m., get to work. You know, you work till 12, you take a lunch hour. Yeah. It's one hour. And then five o'clock, you know, you clock out, you, you go home, and you take the train, and you, you know, do your, your your routine. And I hated that. I hated being told what to do. And I hated having a boss. I'm like, I should be working for myself. I should be, I should be my own boss. <laughs> And um, in in 2004, um, that clicked. I'm like, I I have to get out. And um, I had a, I had this conversation with my dad. I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think I should be doing? Um, you know, I definitely don't want to be doing this any much longer. You know, it's it's really boring. And he had this bright idea of, you know, you should open a bakery. Um, bakeries make a lot of money. In, in his simple thought process, <laughs> he's like, you know, you take flour, you put yeast, you add water, and becomes, how hard can that be? Yeah, it becomes this big. Bread thing, and then you can you can sell it for more money, yeah. or you know, uh, bakery slash coffee shop. He's he's always telling me, hey, you know, if you can sell water, yeah, you can make
0: it. Wait, so um, was your mom disappointed when you told her you're getting out of banking?
1: No, she wasn't. Um, she, you know, I was I was the only child, yeah. so um, she was just a very typical Asian mom. You know, I just want you to be happy. Yeah. Follow what you want to do. Um, could they? Here. Could they tell you weren't happy? Yeah, because I was very vocal about it. You know, man, this is this is really you know annoying. You know, yeah. and it's like I, I I remember like having to um, press
0: shirts every day. I'm just like, man, this 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 <laughs> sucks. <laughs> so you're like, all right, enough with enough with the computers and, and the pushing papers. Um, so what'd you do?
1: So it's, it's funny because, um, at Morgan Stanley, I had a, um, a, a colleague in San Francisco and her family owned a bakery <laughs> and, um, you know, we just got to talking and, uh, I'm like, Hey, you know, it'd be really cool. Like if I just came out to California, San Francisco and lived there for a while and kind of just work for your dad and like be a helper and kind of learn and um did she think you were serious she's like ah oh, that's weird but you know <laughs> sure I mean, me asked my dad that shouldn't be a problem yeah. and in my mind i'm like hey i can get like a trip out of this yeah go live somewhere you know as a as a native new yorker like i've never really lived anywhere else yeah. you know and like hey this is a good opportunity to go and try something else and live somewhere else and learn something so i put in my two weeks and off to san francisco wow. i go and uh, I ended up staying there for nine months. What was the bakery? It was just this, uh, it was actually a cake um, place. They make wedding cakes. But the side business was all these like croissants, muffins, and stuff like that. And I really wanted to learn that. So I, I, I did it. Because I, my, my dad was like, hey, you should take this opportunity. Because no one in New York is going to be able to kind of show you what to do. And then with the expe- expectation that you're going to leave and open your own place you know because it wasn't food in 2004 is not like it's today you know it's so much things are so much easier um, trying to learn things mm-hmm. um, so I, I took the trip out there and um, you know I I, I learned all the stuff that I, I took you know recipes and um, learn how like how yeast works and all, all this bread related stuff and I came back here with with the help of my dad. I opened a really, really small coffee shop um, with 10 seats and um, we, we, we made like 10 different kind of pastry things. And also, um, you know, the Chinese side of me, we, we had like rice box dishes for like a lunch, lunch crowd. And um, that was probably like the part of my life where I learned the most and, and I realized what hard work is.
0: Yeah. How, how'd that go business-wise?
1: Um, it was, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Um, it was my first stab at it. That lasted four years. And where was it? It was, it was actually inside my dad's building that he bought oh, cool. on Allen Street. And, Side. So Lower East Side. Uh, Lower East Side oh, yeah. yeah. Lower East Side. And, um, yeah, I did that for four years. And, you know, at, at the end of the four years, it was just one of those situations where, you know, I, I, I put like. 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week and it just gets by.
0: And yeah. and I was But qu- but, it, but I imagine it's different working 80 hours a week for yourself than it is working 80 hours a week for the man. Absolutely, absolutely. No no doubt about that.
1: Um but I I think I no, not that I think. I I know the reason why I walked away from that was because I just didn't have any personal time. Um you know, I was in my early I was in my mid 20s. Um, you know, all my friends are out yes. at
0: bars. I mean, it, as a single person living in New York city, like that's why you moved to New York city. Yeah. It's yeah. just such an exciting, fun place to be. And you can literally go out every night of the week. And yeah. if you're not doing that, then you're like, well, well why, why am I living here? Exactly. It's, it's, it's a grind. Exactly. So that, that's, ex- that's exactly what it was. It was, it
1: was a grind. And, um, you know, you know, it, marketing back then wasn't like the marketing it is now. You know, and um, meaning it, what? Meaning like there wasn't social media, there uh. wasn't there wasn't internet. Yeah. You know, there wasn't really there wasn't Instagram. There's, well, there was the internet. There yeah, just wasn't, but there wasn't. Yeah. You weren't walking around with an iPhone, right? There right. Was right, right. IPhone so and Twitter and Instagram and all that. You know, I remember this is two thousand and four, two thousand and five. We got voted um, from Voice Village Voice mm-hmm. um, the cleverest. Uh, restaurant name for 2005. Um, so what I'm, was the restaurant? So um, I'm 6'5", yeah. and pretty tall, uh, f- especially for Asian American as well. So when we opened the restaurant, like I was, I don't know what to name it. It's like, and one of my dad's friends was like, hey, I I call you Mr. Tall. <laughs> so we should just call it Mr. Tall because like a, you're in the neighborhood, and I'm like, all right, that sounds great. And that's what we named it, Mr. Tall Coffee and Bakery. And in 2005, um, the Village Voice. Um, gave us an award for the cleverest restaurant name and like that was a big deal that was a big big deal like for village voice you know in 2005 but you know there was nothing like how it is today and um you know four years in um i'm missing a lot of my 20s you know like i'm opening at six you know i'm there till nine and i'm dead already at nine and um, you know, I decided to move on. You know, and and we, we sold it. We sold the we sold the bakery, and I I went back to corporate America. What I what I knew, and I, and I went into insurance. And but you uh, went into
0: insurance?
1: Yeah, yeah. That, it was it this, was what? weird. Yeah,
0: what, yeah. What? What do we? I didn't get this part in your bio. Really? Yeah, so you was, went back to work for the man?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Oh my I god! Did. So, but here you put a this. tie back
0: on and pressed your shirts. <sighs>
1: Yeah, kind of, oh but, but God. it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I didn't have to wear a suit at least. Um, okay. but it was, it was shirt and shirt and slacks. Yeah. Um, but you know, some good came out of that. Um, okay. you know, what in, was in, good? in that from, so this is like 2007 to 2010. Um, I met a girl and later on became my fiance and it's, it's my wife now.
0: All right. That uh, so that's, uh, that's good. That's that great. Worked, yeah. That's
1: great. Um, you know, I worked at—the the company that I worked for was ING. Okay. and Big company? Yeah, big company, big insurance company. And um, at that time, they were the title sponsor for the New York City Marathon. Yeah. And, um, you know, internally, it's like, oh, who's running the marathon this year? And I'm like, I'll do it. And I caught this bug with running. And— um,
0: Six-five guys are generally not great marathon runners.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I I, I always disliked team sports, and I was always <laughs> one of those guys that liked um, tennis or yeah. um,
0: running or cycling. So you're somehow going to tie running the marathon into op- – taking over your dad's your uncle's (laughs) restaurant. I'm 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 waiting on this. All right. Well did you you get Uncle
1: Wally to run the marathon with you? (laughs) No, I didn't. I did not. But yeah, I I started running and you know, like the the previous couple of years and I I put on a lot of weight, you know, working in a restaurant is is no small task. You know, you're 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 up late, you're eating poorly. Yeah. especially Uh, a bakery. A lot of carbs. Yeah, a lot of carbs. And um I I caught this bug for running and um that really kind of energized me. And um, it was just fun for went, me to, yeah. to do it and to accomplish it. So when Uncle Wally approached me, it was 2010. And uh, that, at that point, um, the restaurant was kind of in a, a bad state of repair. Yeah. Like, uh, we had been closed by the health department a couple of times. Um, you know, it's just old. It's dingy. Um, and it's
0: been there since the 20s. Yeah, 1920.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's been there since 1920. And... Um, you know, it, it, it just kinda there was no one there was, there was no new life to yeah. it. And and he needed some something a new life.
0: Okay, let's talk about this. Cause what I find fascinating about Nome Wall, when you, it's on uh, this tiny little curving sort of it's almost like an alley, but it's a side street in Chinatown. Yeah, you know, yeah. um uh, there's a little curve to it, and it's right on the corner almost. Um and it looks like a movie set. You're like, wow, that place is still here, preserved almost. Mm-hmm. And what I think is fascinating about the restaurant is is that you didn't mess with the inside, really. It it still feels like it's been there since the 20s. Whereas a lot of other restaurateurs, I won't name any names right now, they take over an old space and they zhuzh it up and put in new banquettes and new ceilings and new lighting and they kind of strip the charm out. You smartly – Managed to completely modernize the restaurant without modernizing it at all. So, can you talk to me about that? Yeah, it, it's it's just crazy because
1: like um you know you're not the first to tell me like oh hey you did such a good job yeah. like fixing the restaurant I'm like but actually I didn't do anything you know that's the that's a brilliant part to it and I remember the conversation we had um you know he he sat me down at this you know um. Other dim sum place called Red Egg, which is a lot more modern. It's got like the drop ceilings and all these like cool lights. It's like, hey, you know, like try to solicit me to like join him and like take over the restaurant. Like, hey, we can make this look super modern and and uh, sleek. I'm like, but you know, this is kind of like I my in my mind, I was like, this is like the cats of Chinese food. <laughs> I'm like, why would you mess with that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm like, no, I, I'd rather just keep it like this. The floors are beautiful, yeah. you know. There's an the original tin ceiling. Yeah.
0: Tin you know, ceiling. You've got the little bar with like the little like Woolworth counter. lunch Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and
1: um, that was, you know, that's stuff that I've seen since childhood. You yeah. know, like although I didn't spend a lot of time in there, you know, I, there was always on the weekends like just check in, yeah. see how Uncle Wally's doing, or just say hello, or use the bathroom. Um, and I have a lot of memories in that place. And why would I want to change it?
0: I imagine you spent some money. What Did you fix it up somehow yeah, infrastructurally we, or what would you do? What we did was we just put in a lot of elbow
1: grease, cleaned the place up, uh, fixed what needed to fix, um, put in new toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, kitchen, did you the put kitchen, in new The equipment? kitchen was completely gut, gut renovation. Okay, so that was like the yeah. infrastructure still yeah, under yeah. the hood you did. Some yes, work. yeah. So new walk-ins, new walk stations, new fryers tables, dishwasher. how much did that all cost? Uh
0: sixty thousand. Okay. Which is which is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, expensive. for New York City restaurant yeah. standards. Then what also is interesting when you notice you go in there and you're like, wow, it's definitely a sort of how should I say this? Um, kind of a Brooklyn-y crowd. There's a lot of cool young folks in skinny jeans and it's it's yeah. a it's not your typical Chinatown crowd. Um and I guess is that – how did you go about attracting a new customer to a place that a, probably a lot of young New Yorkers didn't even know about? You know, what I, what I think I did that was pretty interesting is I,
1: I made dim sum approachable. And um, for, for, for decades, um, for years, you know, dim sum restaurants in Chinatown is this breakfast, lunch, brunch kind of mm-hmm, yeah. affair – um most places that serve dim sum either turn into like a banquet hall at night yeah. or they're big yeah huge yeah um or they're just a breakfast lunch and brunch kind of place yeah. and they they shut down at night growing up i i always dislike waking up early and fighting the crowds yeah. and doing this dim sum thing you know what you know? sucks
0: brunch sucks yeah
1: sorry. yeah sorry exactly. i said it yeah sorry yeah. no i i totally agree this was the moment where I'm like, you know what? I, I always thought like dim sum was tapas. Like yeah. so you go to a Spanish mm-hmm, restaurant, yeah. you know, you order a bunch of little things, you know, you eat with a couple of people, you talk, you drink, you have a good time. So I, I'm like, this can work for dinner too. And um, I wanted to make dim sum approachable. And I wanted to do it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I also wanted to be drinking beers and sipping a cocktail or a glass of wine. With dim sum, and um, that's exactly what I did. I, I made it approachable. Whereas there's a menu, there's like a, it's almost like a Chinese diner. There's a menu. You go in. There's you know you open the menu. You see what you want. You, there's a visual
0: to it. How do you then get the word out? How do you let this new generation of New Yorkers know that there's a new style dim sum place happening? Yeah, it it was social media. I have to say, you know,
1: um, my first instinct was to. Um, to document like the transformation and open a Facebook page, and uh, we did that, mm-hmm. and that caught eye of a uh, editor from the Daily News, mm-hmm. and when we opened, there was this two page spread wow. on the reopening. That's awesome. And that led to New York Times and Wall Street Journal, and then like, the list goes on and on and on. And and I was, you know, what New York media types love to write about: old New York, yeah, old New yeah. York turned new somehow. So that just got me on the radar. Wow. Okay. And um, I think because the restaurant has such a long history, now all walks of life remember it. Yeah. Like I remember like there was this guy that's in his 60s. He's like, hey, I, I, I was on a business trip. I was in like South America. I'm on a flight back. I'm reading the New York Times and there's your picture on it, you know? Like that, that gave me a memory of coming back to New York and eating at the restaurant again. And to this day, we still get that. You know, like there's three or four generations deep. That uh, great grandfather was in New York as a teenager to go to law school, and now lives in Florida. But you know, has done all this with his life, and he's bringing back his kids to show yeah. uh, them. Do the older generations appreciate what you did to the? They, restaurant? Love, it. That's they awesome. love it. They love it. They love it. You know, they'll they'll nickel and dime me all the time. because, like, Oh, you you
0: you raise the prices again, or <laughs> right. or. Um, you know, stuff yeah, like since that. since 1946, yeah, it is a yeah. little bit more expensive. <laughs> what um, uh, best-selling items on the menu?
1: The best-selling item on our menu is the original egg roll. We call it the OG egg roll. All right, I love that. what what do you, you make? Explain just quickly the process. Sure, it's it's basically egg um, crepe crepe made with eggs, oh. and um, so technically an egg roll. Yep. And we with the crepe, we put in the mixed vegetables and and chicken, and we roll it. Egg roll. deep fry it. And then on when the order comes in, we kind of give it a quick batter. Oh, and yeah, then we, yeah. we
0: batter, fry yeah. it. It's yeah. like it's 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 at once both light and yet thoroughly indulgent. Yeah. 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 It's, kind of, exactly. it's, it's like fried ice cream. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one I love. Um, and then for people who want to follow you on Instagram. Um well the restaurant is at Namwa Tea Parlor, one word. So um N-O-M-W-A-H. W-A-H. Tea, tea parlor okay uh my instagram handle is at dim sum nyc yeah both are both i recommend so there's no chinatown there's no yes. philadelphia now correct what else have we got on um, We have Nam-wa Nolita. yeah which opened this past
1: year yes uh five months ago like last september, september. and that's a little
0: bit more of a modern version of what yes you're going
1: modern town, so. uh fast casual yeah. uh model and we're opening another one uh, on Canal Street, inside Canal Street Market, oh, cool. um,
0: in April. In April, yeah. All right. Well, before we let you go, Wilson, well, uh, we're doing the lightning round. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Oh, I like that. We haven't done that before. Egg roll or fried wontons? Egg roll. Mm. I don't know. I'm kind of a fried wonton guy. Mm. They're hard to come by. You don't see them a lot in New York. Yeah. For that's well.
1: That's that's like a more um, well. They're both Chinese American food. Yeah. But I see where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. You could go either way on this one because you've gone back and forth borough-wise, but Yankees or Mets?
1: Oh, Mets, 100%. Really? Yeah, no Fa- doubt. Favorite 100%. player? Uh, David Wright.
0: David Wright. What about old school? Do you have one, one back Keith in the Keith Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez. Listen, I'm diehard Mets. I love like Hernandez. You see the pictures of Hernandez back in 86 literally smoking cigarettes in the dugout. Yep, with, <laughs> with the mustache. With the mustache. <laughs> with the mustache. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like professional athletes. All right. How about this: soup dumplings or pan-fried dumplings? Soup dumplings. Do you have a favorite place in Chinatown? Uh, yes, it's brand new. Pinch Chinese. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. From okay.
1: chefs from uh, Din Tai Fung.
0: Okay. Cool. It's good to know. Qingtao or Budweiser. Qingtou. Beard or tattoo? Tattoo. Do you have any? Yeah. Okay. All right, you don't have a beard. I knew that. No, I, you know, it's so hard for me to grow on. Yeah, I, I tried. Me I try too. To fit in. I'm very sort of like I get I have like a patchy sort of. It's, it's not like yeah, a good. I don't grow get manly. Out right. No, yeah. it's, it's wispy, and I'm like then I just shave. I try. I keep trying. <laughs> it's not happening. Jay or Biggie? Biggie. There was a bit of a pause there. Yeah, I had to really dig deep. Fried or scrambled? Fried. Are you a, or how do you take them? Uh,
1: sunny side up. Okay. With but, the crispies on the end. Yeah. And maybe yes. some truffles on top. <laughs>
0: damn. <laughs> damn, playa. Uh, jasmine or oolong? Jasmine. Are you a tea? Are you a big tea guy? Big tea guy. When do you, um, when do you take your tea generally? Tea
1: first thing in the morning uh, or after a heavy meal to work yeah. with the digestion. Uh, I like jasmine because it's got a little uh, lighter, like the green tea kind of caffeine fixed yep. I like.
0: All right, cool. Uh, final question, butter or olive oil?
1: Mm, I like both. Um, can only but have one. I would say olive oil. It's just more versatile.
0: All right, there you go. Wilson Tang, awesome. thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Sue Lee, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Adam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a little bit nervous, but it's going to be now. okay. I'll breathe. So you and I were talking the other day, Sue, mm-hmm. uh, about your mom's cooking, and you said that you uh, quote unquote, grew up in a very doughy household.
2: I really did, yeah. We're Northern Chinese, ethnically, but we immigrated, my grandparents immigrated from China to Taiwan during the Cultural Revolution. And f- her my mom's side of the family is from Northern China. And my dad's side is from Southern China, but we ended up just eating doughy foods all the time because it's delicious. I was about to
0: say, I was like, "Can I come over? I, I want to <laughs> go to a, all the time. Anytime. I want to go to a doughy household." <laughs> um, how old are your parents now, if I may?
2: They're in their sixties.
0: Okay, and they came to the states when?
2: In 1990, and I was seven, and my brother was four. What city? Denton, Texas. I'm sorry, where? It's a little <laughs> suburb what? outside of Dallas, and uh, we were the only Asian family at the time. Really? I well, That's how it felt
0: to Wait, me. And it was like a suburban neighborhood, or what was it yeah, like?
2: Yeah, suburban neighborhood. It has like uh, two fairly large universities, so that's how we were there. My dad was going to school there, and we... There was like one or two Chinese grocery stores in Dallas, which was like 45 minutes away. Mm. And we would drive there to buy anything. But we really missed the foods that we were eating. Was your Taiwan. mom,
0: was she always a cook?
2: No, she was more of a career woman. She was a nurse. And then um, she's actually, she was not a very good cook. Ooh, wow. Yeah.
0: Is she listening
2: to this? hi mom (laughs) but she's really improved it took her I think it took her about like you know a couple years to really teach herself how to cook and a lot of phone calls home to Taiwan being like how do I do this how do I make the the braised beef that the kids like to eat so much how do I make the baos the scallion pancakes
0: and was that because having moved to texas it was like well if you want to get this food we're gonna to have to make it ourselves
2: yeah that's it and and we also had to grow some of the vegetables ourselves in the backyard such as such as uh chinese chives bok choy cucumber because we didn't like the american cucumbers which were large and watery yeah they're not very good are they seeds they're not good no. the skin is tough the,
0: i like the little persian ones
2: yeah yeah the, but Back then, in 1990, it's not like you'd get Persian cucumbers at the grocery store in Denton, Texas.
0: No. 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 It's you could get beef, though. A lot of beef yeah. for the braised beef. I bet okay. that was pretty good.
2: There was a lot of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, all right. So, you your mom all of a sudden starts planting a garden, making a lot of expensive phone calls back to Taiwan to yeah. learn how to make the dishes that you all missed. Do you – now you, you, so, some of the things you, you said you grew up eating um, and you did a recipe – Forbonapetite.com on classic scallion pancakes. Yes. Did you learn that from your mother? Did you learn that elsewhere?
2: I learned it from my mom. Um, she tried to make it for us many times in the beginning and pretty much failed every time just because it's. Is, what's your mom's name? Her name is Teresa Chi. Hello. <laughs>
0: Teresa, I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> I always said, like, Sue, your daughters are the nicest gal, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, so Teresa was screwing up the, uh, the scallion pancakes. Yeah. What, were they too dense? They were
2: dense. That? They weren't like, like scallion pancakes in Taiwan, you get them and you can get it on the streets. And they're always flaky. They're, they're crispy, but not too greasy. Mm. Delicious! It's it's a street snack, and it's something that you know parents at home would make it too. And my mom tried to do the same thing, but I think she just added. She just didn't know, like the dough was supposed to. You're supposed to use boiling water to make the dough.
0: So yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's just, if we can, because this isn't. If you know what you're doing, it's not that hard of a recipe, is it? No, it's very simple. All right. So what is it? What? what, So walk us through it.
2: So you have used all-purpose flour. And so boi- we get, we
0: got that in Texas
2: very easily t-
0: yeah. to get. And then
2: you use boiling water. And the reason you use boiling water, I guess you sort of break down the gluten if we're mm-hmm. getting too technical no, here. Sure. It's okay. Um, and then the dough is very pliable and it's very soft and tender. And it's it's the same dough that you use to make dumplings to make Quite a f- or dim sum desserts like not desserts but dim sum like um chive pockets, which we're
0: going to talk which, about shortly. Yeah. But right, so so far you have flour and water. Anything else?
2: And scallions and oil. That's all you need. That's and literally
0: salt. no no yeast or anything. No, no starters. Yeast. Nothing None complicated. Of None not gonna, of that. You're not going to get all tartine bakery on no us. No
2: way. This is like this peasant food. This isn't you like know? A,
0: a three day project.
2: <laughs> no way. So
0: so you pour boiling water into flour, then what?
2: You stir it up, let it cool. I mean, then you knead it a little bit. You let it cool and divide it up and roll it out. And the lamination process is easy. All you do is you roll out and then you- Roll it out into what? Into a flat pancake? Into a flat pancake and you- um, About how big? Depends on how you. but we'll say five to six inches. Okay. And um, then you sprinkle some scallion, salt, Mm. oil, and- Oil, vegetable oil. I think traditionally they use lard. Yeah, why not? Because it's delicious. And you roll up into a tube, and then you coil it into a braid. I guess you would say, or like look like like a snake.
0: Yeah, like I said, you just wrap like in a little yeah coil. Yeah,
2: and you roll that again, and really, then you have about like five or six layers, Mm -hmm. and that's perfect. Do you
0: only coil it once, or do you repeat the process?
2: I I only do it once. Okay. Um, I think you can do it multiple times if you want to, but I don't think it's necessary because you, you have – five or six layers is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't
0: know. I think that's very good. Yeah. It's kind of like – I mean, it, it, am I, can I say it's kind of like like malawah, the Yemenite bread? Yeah. You know, that same sort of flaky pull-apart. Yeah,
2: but I feel like they probably use more – it's like flaky mm-hmm. – Scalling pancakes are not as flaky yeah, as that.
0: Yeah, the is a bit chewier and also I want to say it has butter in it, yeah, I want to say, yeah. which of course changes everything. And then what do you do with it?
2: And then you just fry it. You and don't what? deep fry it. You use My mom just used vegetable oil, okay. but again, you can use lard. You can use any kind of oil you want, yeah. really. But you don't want to use a lo- too much oil, just enough to cover up half of the pancake. Medium say, heat? I say medium heat. Okay. And then you adjust to medium-low once you put the pancake in. Oh. Uh, so each yes. side about how long? Mm. I will give it, it depends on how thick your pancake is, yeah. but we'll say like four to five minutes per side. All right, so golden brown, take it out. You wanna eat them while they're hot. Eat them while they're hot, but let it rest for a few minutes because the dough will continue to cook from the residual heat. Oh. And let it a couple minutes so that those layers sort of separate.
0: Typically this is something you would serve at the table be, but before the on main courses came out?
2: This was a, just a snack.
0: Well a snack like an after school thing. I'll, yeah. hear, I'll throw together some which is so easy. You get your water and your yeah. flour and some scallions. It was
2: like she would have it ready for us, you know, three o'clock. We come home, my brother and I are hungry, and oh, they yeah. we like, oh my gosh. Mm. Instead of the
0: And you're like, you're at an age where you could have 14 scallion ca- pancakes and not put on a pound.
2: That's basically yeah. what would happen. <laughs> what um
0: what uh and all right, let's talk dipping sauce.
2: Dipping sauce, that's very important. You don't. We actually don't use a lot of soy in my family. We find it. T- my mom finds it too, like too heavy. What she says. But what, what, what does that mean? Heavy. No, she's like she's like it's too much flavor. It's not subtle enough. Okay,
0: it's 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 assertive. I'll give her that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I'd say heavy, but I would say assertive. So what does she like to
2: use? She uses more vinegar. Okay, and, what kind? Um, She kind of uses a light color vinegar. I actually don't know what it's called. What what
0: do you use?
2: Well, okay, in my life now I use rice vinegar. (laughs) You're grown up. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I use rice vinegar and I add a splash of soy. I don't like the black vinegar.
0: Okay, too heavy. Too heavy. Too
2: assertive. Yeah. Um, so,
0: so, just your basic rice vinegar, which you can get at pretty much any grocery yeah. store these days. What's the do with the seasoned or unseasoned? Sometimes they say that.
2: I think when it's seasoned, there's, there's, there's a little sugar in it. Yeah, okay,
0: it. yeah. So, you use unseasoned. I use
2: unseasoned. Splash
0: of soy. Yes. And that's it.
2: And chili oil if you want. Oh,
0: okay. If like you don't that. want it, that's okay.
2: Yeah. Um, I want it. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so you have those going. Sometimes you cut them into little triangles. That's a good little snack thing before you eat. You would also then talk about, we're talking about the scallion pancakes, and you also like, oh yeah, chive pockets. And I was like, chive pockets? Are those like hot pockets? What's a chive
2: pocket? Have I had chive pockets? You might have. It's kind of like a hot pocket,
0: I mean, mean, there's so many different pockets of, of,
2: you know, like empanadas is a pocket, right? Same dough.
0: Okay. So we've made this cool laminated dough where you coil it up and roll it out again. Yeah. Different layers. Well, actually just the,
2: not the scallion pancake, Ah. but no scallions in it. It's just like you roll it out.
0: Okay. Are you still doing the coil thing? No coils. So this is just just like a-
2: yeah, this is even. You just need to make the mixture in there taste good.
0: Okay, so what's the so mixture?
2: So it's Chinese chives. My mom grows the kind in her backyard that's flat. There are two different kinds. in the flat kind? There's yeah. a rounded kind, yep. and then there's a flat kind. She grows the flat kind.
0: I've gotten the uh, there's, I've I've gotten the flat kind sometimes. I want to say maybe at Sangli Market, which is a market out on the north fork of Long Island. They have them, and I never quite know. I'm like, huh, these don't look like regular chives, but I guess I'm getting Chinese right. chives. Yeah, okay. yeah. And
2: okay. they're pungent, Yeah. but um, but if, but if you chop it up and if you add some scrambled eggs, we eat a lot of eggs. Ooh. You scramble it in there.
0: It's a doughy, eggy household. You're oh, talking it's my language, so Julie. so delicious. Yeah. And
2: then some tofu, some vermicelli noodles if you have them. If Wait, you this is all have, going
0: in the chive Oh, pocket? yeah,
2: yeah. It's all chopped up.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Okay, well, hold on a second. So you got the chive. Are the chives raw or are you sauteing them? They're raw. So you have raw chives, scrambled eggs. Yeah. Maybe what else goes in there? Maybe
2: some tofu.
0: Maybe some tofu, why not? Yeah. Just throw some, it on yeah, in there. Some
2: dried shrimp if you have. If Jesus. you don't have it, that's okay. We don't need to get too fancy.
0: And how big are one of these pockets?
2: Uh well, I think it's about it's like the size of your hand.
0: So you so you do the same circle, about a six inch diameter mm-hmm. little pancake, and then you fold it over like an empanada or yeah. what? Yeah. And exactly. how do you just pinch it closed or exactly
2: you pinch it closed and then you just fry it on both sides oh. a little longer yeah. because you, you want the inside to steam. Yeah. yeah. And um my mom actually used very little oil for that because she likes a bit of a dry crust
0: yeah. on it. Wow. Yeah. It's like a like a Breakfast empanada yeah. via it's
2: very healthy. Taiwan. What do you mean it's very healthy? What's healthy about that? <laughs> I mean it's not there's unhealthy. There's a lot of there's a lot of greens in it.
0: It's real, it's like <laughs> I you just said. There's chives, but then you said there's eggs and shrimp. Yeah, and
2: mainly chives. And yeah, yeah. Um, there's, like 80%. there's no there's no cheese at least. No, che- yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't yeah, we, no, you don't mess we're with not dairy
0: do. people. No, yeah. No. Now, would you? When were you partaking in the chive pockets?
2: Well. That is more like a breakfast item in my house, yeah, I yeah. like that. she would uh, she would wake up and this was a weekend thing. and she yeah. would make it on the Saturday. Well, that, sounds or like, Sunday. that sounds like a,
0: a tall order for a Tuesday morning. yeah,
2: and then um and then it would be something we would have with tea. And then that would be our breakfast or like, or brunch. We'll call it brunch. You're doing air quotes. Brunch. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. All right. Now you got me hungry. All right. Now dumplings. You told me that you love to eat dumplings all the time, everywhere. Oh, yeah. you just You just can't get enough dumplings.
2: Dumplings are the best. Well, my- so, I was
0: being sarcastic. Yeah. Because you told me off camera, <laughs> Sue Lee, everybody, says she will only eat her mother's <laughs> dumplings and she won't eat any, literally, is that true? I,
2: I haven't said what dumplings are the best, but I was about to go- I only eat
0: my mom. So you literally, like, you go to eat, you just won't order dumplings.
2: I don't. I just look. Sometimes I don't trust what they put in the dumplings.
0: You can ask. Oh, it's, it's true.
2: I know I'm being really picky. I'm a huge snob. Yeah,
0: yeah um, I'm not embarrassed. Uh, so what? So all right. So your mom, what what was she putting in her dumplings?
2: Pork. Just shrimp. just like ground pork. Yeah, ground pork. But she would grind the pork herself. Self.
0: Nice, old school.
2: Yeah, because you just don't know how, what's out there.
0: But, um, yeah. Well, fortunately, as we've talked about in this podcast, now like there are a lot of better butchers out there where you know are getting the the well sourced, grass fed, humanely true. raised, all that sort of stuff. And with the ground meat at those places, at least you know where that ground beef ground meat is coming yeah. from. At some yeah. of the grocery stores. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah.
2: And she would grind her own pork and she acts, likes to add a little. Did uh, she have like a
0: hand grinder or was she used like a Cuisinart back she in those used, days?
2: She used a, a KitchenAid. Okay, KitchenAid, yeah, attachment. with the little attachment. And she likes to add a little extra pork fat in there. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. With a little shrimp,
0: chat. Fresh shrimp or fresh dried? Fresh shrimp, uh-huh, okay. chives. Chives.
2: And that's it in the Salt. dumpling. Salt, yeah. And that's it? it. That's it. Okay, and then, it should be really simple ingredients. Then
0: let's talk about the dumpling dough. Same dough or different dough now?
2: Same dough again? Yeah, it's very versatile. Apparently, it is. <laughs> Good lord! Yeah, you just—it's the same dough, and instead of pleating it, so it's a thicker dough. The so you, dumpling okay, that yeah, we yeah, which, grew up eating.
0: I'm, I'm used to that.
2: Um, you know how sometimes you go to you go get potstickers and the dough is a mm-hmm. little thinner. Mm-hmm. You have to use it. It's a different, totally different kind of, like, method. We're getting a
0: little too deep about the dough We're on a a food podcast. That's what we do.
2: Yeah. So, you know, when you get, like, gyozas or potstickers, the dough is a little thinner because you want that crisp. Christmas. Yeah, but
0: then sometimes with like gyoza, the Japanese dumplings, they sometimes they rip. You know, yeah. Like, yeah then, then all of a sudden, that yummy filling falls out. And you're like, oh man.
2: Yeah, and that kind of dough is machine made. It's not handmade.
0: Uh-huh. Sue's so, mom is not making those. No that way. Kind of no. Mm-mm. 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 You just did the little <laughs> finger wag.
2: <laughs> so she rolls out. She rolls out the dough herself, and then. You know, fills up with a lot what? of filling. Question: Yes.
0: What does she roll it out with? Does she have like a, one of those little mini dowels yeah. or a like a like a little little tiny one? Yeah, she
2: brought it from Taiwan, like uh, however many years ago.
0: I love that. That's what she brought on, like her yeah. carry on.
2: She oh her carry on. I'll tell you what her carry on <laughs> <Okay>. was: <laughs> um, giant steamers. No, so she can make bows for us, like aluminum. They're like the size of oh, yeah, like I'm two people. With those, yeah. yeah. She brought up, she brought three of those. Pack the
0: kids in those. Yeah,
2: basically. Wooden dowels, rice bowls, because she was like, I don't know if they have bowls like we want to use in Texas.
0: (laughs) They do, but they call them chili bowls there.
2: And, and yeah, because our rice bowls are dainty. Yes. They're small. And Uh, uh, chopsticks. She just didn't know. Who needs
0: rice when you're filling up on all that dough?
2: It's true. You're right.
0: <laughs> Sorry. So so she's making the thicker dough for the dumplings. Yeah. Compare the size of a, your mom's, one of her dumplings to one of her chive pockets.
2: So one chive pocket is about six dumplings.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sir, no. Yeah. That's pretty
2: ginormous. One, all right. Yeah. Let's go. Well, with they're four. hefty. Let's go with four. All right. Fine. Four, all right. Six. One, two, three. Yeah. You, okay. No, yeah, your
0: hand's not the big. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Four dumplings. So then, and is she frying them or steaming them? What's she, she doing? She them? boiled them. Boiled them. Yeah. And then didn't crisp them up at all in the pan.
2: No. She, we don't.
0: Does she know that those are really good when you get them crispy? She does. But I guess she's but, got the crispy chive pockets and the crispy scallion pan. Yeah. We
2: don't need to. We need to. You know change it up a little yeah. bit the chewiness and also the most delicious thing that i didn't appreciate when i was a kid was the water the starchy water mm. that came from the dumplings uh-huh. and that would be like the palate cleanser we got at the end of the meal with a splash of soy sauce
0: wow kind of like when we did that thing with a. Uh South Philly barbacoa last year in our best new restaurants uh, where they do the barbacoa, the barbecued, in this case lamb, but you can also do goat and stuff. And then you get like the little cup of a like, consomme. Yeah. That's, uh, afterwards um, that after was you, so good. Eat all the tacos and stuff. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So the starchy, salty water, a little shot of.
2: Soy. You know. And that's all. And really like. She'd probably ladle the water into the bowls that we've been using for the dumplings, mm-hmm. which had maybe a splash of the soy, soy sauce and vinegar that uh-huh. we would use as dipping yeah. sauce. And then that would be the end of the meal.
0: Let me say this. What was your all-time record for most dumplings oh, taken down in one sitting? Like
2: 20. 20. Yeah. Wow. They're so easy. They just go down <laughs> a- so a- easily. Apparently they do, So, <laughs>
0: Did she ever change up the filling?
2: She said, my dad is a vegetarian. Oh, wow, Yeah, burying the
0: lead, interesting. So what would she make for him?
2: She put a lot of cabbage in there, cabbage, tofu, mushrooms. Uh, Yeah, uh, I know, uh, it was just not as good. No,
0: I mean, and there's plenty of good vegetables out there, don't get me wrong, but compared to like the freshly ground pork and shrimp and scallions.
2: He was stubborn. Wow, dad, dad was missing out.
0: well, Sue, all I can say is I can't wait for until you make dumplings for everyone in the test kitchen and you send me an email saying, Adam, it's, it's dumpling time.
2: Okay, I'll do it next Tuesday.
0: Okay, cool. You hear that, Eva? <laughs> it's on for next Tuesday. Uh, Sue's mom, I hope you heard that. Maybe you can stop by. Yeah. School, school us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sue Lee, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wartzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at Foodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.